Welcome into Texans All Access. DP City with you once again, along with Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty. Just wrapped up Texans Huddle. I know you guys walked in as Travis Johnson and Indy Kalu were leaving. This is going to be a fun show, you guys. Well, they could have stayed and done Texans All Access. <laughs> and Texans Why did they have to up. leave? Why did they have to leave? <laughs> and the entire night shift on Sports Radio 610 <laughs> and never stop because that's how they are. They could have just taken us up to game week. I mean, they had, yeah. so, they had stories for days. And then we finished. And then as they were leaving, there were just more and more stories. So, uh, unfortunately, Travis Johnson not going to be on every week. Maybe we'll bring him back. Another week, but we'll have a player every single week. Listen, listen, every time I hear him, I think maybe he needs to be on every week, right? And he used to be on Mondays in 2013, Monday nights. He did that six to seven hour with me all the time. During a very difficult season, I'll always be grateful for Travis Johnson for that. He did an amazing job, and it was a tough season, and he was awesome to work with all year long. Well, now we get into Texans All Access. Although, I got to say, the 2013 season, Mm -hmm. you did that with Travis, and then... On Tuesdays, we had the player show with from Antonio. Texans Grill with Antonio Smith, oh, yes. my all-time favorite. And I think he's my all-time favorite because it was such a tough season. He's, he's, and we laughed so hard. He is that a show. gem. What a gem. What a gem. I mean, Total gem. People, there's a lot of folks in this building right now who have no idea who he is. The no ninja. idea. The turnover, and it's been a decade now. And well, a lot of those guys, and you know, they don't know what they don't know. A lot of yeah. people in our media department, digital media, social media, when they see the old stuff like on the nose or <laughs> yeah. the ninja assassin <laughs> or whatever, they don't know. And they're thinking, wow, you guys had all that. We did, and there was a lot of success on the field and hoping to get it back to that level. I think mm-hmm. the personalities in place right now are really cool with this version of the yes. Houston Texans, and they will flourish. They will develop. But, you know, it's a process. Got to develop on the field, off the field, all of it. I mean, I think 10 years from now, we'll be talking about some of the guys on this team now and the personalities that we have. Damian Pierce was at season premiere, which was um, the big fundraiser for the Houston Texans Foundation. We did it here uh, on the stadium floor. Mark was the MC. I was doing some stuff on the red carpet, and Damian Pierce was the player reporter. I think we're going to have a recap video coming up very soon. If not, it's definitely going to be on Texans 360, Saturday night, 11 p.m. on ABC 13. Mm. Um, I clearly worked with Mark long enough to know how to pub, pub <laughs> my show, promote my shows. Uh, but Damian Pierce is on the red carpet and he was interviewing all the guys and asking them about their fashion and everything. I, I feel like he's, you know, just a natural. He's yeah, just, just such a pro. Mic and let him go. Yeah. Although I did say, you don't see me lining up in the backfield, trying to take your job. Like here you are with a microphone <laughs> trying to take mine, but he was fantastic. He's always so much fun. So DP uh, and DP, DP and DP, DP TV. Ooh, Ooh. we we get Denzel Perryman in too because he'll do it. We're a lot of DPs now, Mm -hmm. and everyone's a talker. So, Uh, all right. So you guys were not here for all of Huddle, but we were talking about the Ravens game, obviously the big game coming up this week. So let's just start there with Texans All Access. The big headlines for the week. Um, Where should we start? I think the fact that they open the season at such a difficult place. Yeah. That's what pops out to me. It's not just the opener. It's not just C.J. Stroud and numerous Texans making their debut, young and a little bit more seasoned. But it's where you're going. It's playing Lamar Jackson, the former MVP, in his house. All that the Ravens have accomplished. I think in some ways, I don't want to call them overrated, but their accomplishments over the last decade, look, they've won one playoff game since 2014. But in the regular season, they are dynamite. They are really tough to deal with at their place, and they're going to be a tough team to beat for everybody, and especially for this young team. Now you bring up the last decade. Texans have never won there in their history. So we're going back Ooh. 20-some years. They've never won in Baltimore. You've mm. only beaten that franchise twice. That was here in 12 and then again in 14. 
But there was a guy, two guys really here in 14 that are here again in John Weeks and Case Keenum. Case Keenum did not throw a touchdown pass in that game. You got a touchdown pass from Arian Foster to C.J. Fedorowicz, but uh, it was that and a bunch of Randy Bullock field goals. You you got uh, you got a, a mighty mighty task in front, and I know you're going to get into this. We're going to get into this a little later, but it's a matchup of unknowns on both sides because yeah. you don't know much about this mm. new offense that's getting rave reviews and rave question marks with the Ravens. But then again, they don't know really what film to study defensively of the Texans, and it's to a lesser degree certainly. But yeah, there's a lot of it's a matchup of unknowns, and that's certainly the case in Week One, no matter what but it's even more amplified because of the changes that they've both made uh, franchise-wide. That Playing up in that stadium in Baltimore, I was listening to Nick Casario this morning on with Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne. And Drew and I, we we used to love going into these press boxes Mm -hmm. and doing our own little critique of the location and the story. four hours before the game. (laughs) Because we're there so early. There's nobody there except for a few (laughs) attendants. And we walk in and we just basically, it's like an HGTV show. Yes. Oh, I like the spaciousness of this one. These chairs are a little low. Lovely carpet. Yeah, so Drew and I would do that. And I love love the location, that press box. Great press box. Like fifty yard line, you're not that high up. You're in the lower level. Like they could sell that for a premium if those were seats. But Nick Casero was talking about it this morning and how he, <laughs> from the coach's vantage point, wh- how that those seats you're really low to the ground and all the fans can turn around and mock you during the game. Mm-hmm. And oh, he yeah. talked about taking a beating a few times as a, you know when he was with the Patriots. Uh, and now not having super fun memories, now the fans would sort of turn around and mock them while they were in the press they box. They know they're there, too. They it's know like they're there. New England, it happens with the broadcast booth, and you know they look back at us and like, you don't have Tommy Brady on your team. He's the best quarterback ever. <laughs> and you're hearing it from those fans all game long. And the Ravens, the broadcast booth, I guess it's the same level because it feels low as I recall it, at Baltimore. I feel like it's probably a few doors down, yeah. but in the same level. It's nice. It's but a nice booth. I mean, I got to say, it's a huge booth. They take good care of us. But you're right. Never won there. That's tough. Phenomenal you- food in that press box, too. <laughs> Phenomenal food. Crab cakes. Crab cakes. Oh, I was like, goodness. what was it? It was it was something delicious. Yes. It's Drew like one of those Ross write- Tucker reviews of the mm-hmm. press box food. We could do, Drew and I could totally do a blog because we literally mm-hmm. critique everything. My- but if, if you do talk to Nick, you have to tell him that I spoke with the Baltimore uh, Ravens team reporter. They're moving the press box. What? All those, next year. Not Wh- now. Wait, next year. what are they going to do? They're, They're going to screw us. She said us. it's going to be a la like Tampa Bay. Do you remember in Tampa that's Bay? In the, corner. Kind of in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah without yeah. the Bananas Foster, speaking of press box food, they that's identifiable. They did have a huge spread. Good with, omelet station, too, in Tampa Bay. That, <laughs> see, that just stinks. because You need to tell Nick this. Uh, so. I'm going to get on my soapbox now. Okay, but, go for it. All right. The, I know the radio announcer for the Ravens, whose name is unfortunately Jerry Sandusky, Jerry with a G, and he'll be on later this week with us. But he is a radio activist, so he's going to be complaining. I was going to use another word about them moving the you broadcast booths and the yeah. press box. Radio, it, look, t- why wouldn't you move TV? Why don't you move TV, Mister NFL Team Person? Well, the, the TV people need to be there. I'm like, well, don't the radio people need to see it too? No, we don't need to see it. We can be in the corner because it's just radio. No, we need to actually see it too. How about that? I would say that the writers need to see it less than the broadcast people because we are actually describing the action as it occurs. But don't get me started. Do you still need your binoculars? When you're I in always the need my binoculars. I always use them no matter what the situation is because I feel like I want to get right in there. There's very few spots. 
You know, one of them, though, I went to a game at Aggieland. We can talk about this later. Uh-huh. I went to my first Aggie game in years, and it was really cool to be there. And I thought, I had really good seats. Aggieland, everybody's right on top of the field. You know, I was still in an upper deck in the club level on the shady side, thank goodness. But I felt like I could still see it, like I could actually call that game without binoculars. But in answer to your question, I always use binoculars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, next year you're definitely gonna have to use binoculars. Because <laughs> I'll be it's too bad. Because one of my favorite press box experiences all time with a fan was in the playoff game at Baltimore. Didn't end up great, but mm-hmm. right before the playoff game started, one of my friends who I, I I was a sports anchor at the Fox affiliate in Lubbock. This guy was a sports anchor at the ABC affiliate in Lubbock, and he has since gone on to CNN. His name's Andy Scholes. He does a sports there at CNN, but he's he's from Houston. Massive. Houston Texans fan. He was a Rockets ball boy back in the day. But pregame, he knows being in the media, knows where the press box is. Yeah. He has on a jacket. And it was a cold day and one of those stocking caps. And he he saw me in the press box before I saw him. And he gets right up against the glass, bangs on the glass, <laughs> opens up his, jer- his jacket. Oh he's gosh. got a battle red Andre Johnson nice. jersey on. And he's like yelling, going, and it's like you can't hear anything. You just hear the tink, tink, tink on the glass. And he's probably going at like 4,000 decibels, but it's just like soundproof. <laughs> and he's going bananas. Yeah. So it's fun. Do you guys like being reporters when they don't open the windows? They don't open the windows here of the press box either, right? They can't, or they don't. I think they can, but they don't. They can't, but now their TVs, their TVs installed. By the in oh, front of the window, and they would so get I think knocked you can't. I don't think. I think since they've opened them last, I don't. Well, I don't mind it being open because it's kind of nice. Like for the ambiance. when the Saints in the Saints game the other day, you know, there were some fun plays, and I could go, "Whoa, oh yeah. my!" <laughs> but it didn't. And nobody, nobody would hear you if, I, if the windows had been closed. It would have been I'd right been for fans yeah. who don't know. Most press box windows are closed. Yeah. And you're not supposed to cheer in the press box. And I wasn't cheering, but right, I was like, right. But if the Texans make a big play, you're not supposed to say, yes. Right. No way, right? Even, Even working for the team. Nice. I was getting right. lots of nices. I was saying. I, but Drew, that press box, though, I could talk, have a con- I could say, talk to you. We'd be right next to each other, and I can't hear you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it gets really loud what, when the windows the are open. Yeah, when the windows are open, you can't even hear yourself. In the, oh, in the regular yeah. season, it was ra- okay. Pre, they, they didn't have it. Full, that was uh, regular week, season. Yeah, you can't hear. We anything. played week one there right after Larry Tunsil, and yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. and Kenny Stills. That Hell was a, a game. fun game. Hell of a that game. Was a fun game. Yeah. Speaking of Larry Tunsil, one of the headlines, obviously, the O line for the Texans yes. Sunday's game. What's going to happen? I guess we shall find out. But Titus Howard, day to day, according mm-hmm. to head coach D'Amico Ryan's yesterday, he was out at practice. Mm-hmm. Not really sure what his status is going to be for Sunday's game, but if he comes back, where would he play? Would he right, play right this, tackle? Would he play guard? Where would he Where would he go? This is important to to regulate and calibrate. Really, calibrate is a better word. The D'Amico Ryan's injury translator, right? Oh yeah. We don't know his terminology yet. You don't. We knew the Kubiak one. He's got a foot. He's got an ankle. He's he's okay. Well, Bill O'Brien, for instance, he's going to miss some time. If that's like miss some time comes out, that that's a <laughs> so that's a long well that's weeks, right? <laughs> miss some time, but O'Brien saying it's not life threatening might be a week or less possibly. Or he could be if back he on says Sunday. it's not yes. life threatening, that's what he would say. For D'Amico to say day to day, I'm curious. I'm going to see how Titus ends up, and if Titus plays, I'm going to know what day to day means. Day to day. Now we're all day to day, 
right? So it could have a lot of latitude there, but I'm monitoring and I will have updates weekly on the D'Amico Ryan's injury translator. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we might see him in week one just because in camp, a lot of times D'Amico Ryan's would say he's making progress. He's headed in the right direction. Yeah. So I feel like, but uh, unless it's regular season now and now it's a whole new translator and we don't want to give out any it, secrets. I think it could be. I just thought it was a big deal a couple of weeks ago when Titus Howard had pads on and was out there at practice uh, because yeah. that was a bit of a surprise to some folks seeing that. So I think weeks ago seeing that kind of bodes well right. for him playing. And then just to add on to y'all's Bill O'Brien aspect of things, my favorite part of Bill O'Brien and injuries was when a reporter would say, X player said that <laughs> Y player is actually doing pretty well. Yeah. And a lot of times that X player was either Jadeveon Clowney or <laughs> DJ Swearinger, which yes. you knew it like on the inside, Bill O'Brien was immolating. Yes. Just just furious. Exploding. And he would respond with something like, Oh, well, Dr. Swearinger said that. I loved it when he called a player doctor. That that meant that it was Dr. Clowney. You might, you might Dr. as well Clowney. Be, you just you're you've you've got a, a Gold-plated doghouse that you're in with with uh, O'Brien in that room. Well, regard. speaking of dog-plated gold houses or mm. gold-plated dog houses, a dog-plated gold house. Well, it could be the same thing. Um, and Doctor Clowney will be facing him, or the Texans That's will right. be facing him. I can't him believe on we're going to see Doctor Clowney. Doctor Clowney I'm in a Ravens not, uni. I don't like this at all. Still a Houstonian, lives, in, lives in the city, but he's uh, yeah, playing for the Ravens. I. I, I I am looking forward to that injury report on Wednesday as much as I've looked forward to a lot of things in my life. I really want to see who's got what, what they're listed as, mm. and I know a lot of it's questionable, and you're not going to know anyway, but both teams, I want to mm. see this because I've got a feeling the Ravens have some things up their sleeve, meaning secrets up their sleeve, and not good ones. They're, they're kind of holding things back from the media and that injury report has to be, it's not always a direct revelation of things, but it does give you some ideas. By the way, if you Google Dr. Clowney, you get a lot of Dr. Clownies in the country. There are Dr. Clownies not an and not Jadevian, though. picture of Jadevian with scrubs, yeah. no? Uh, well, you know, we, we started off talking about the O-line, but I think for, speaking of your injury report, I think it'll be interesting to see the Ravens. Uh, their cornerback situation. Yeah. No Marlon Humphrey. He had a foot injury. He's going to be out for a few games. But they've just had a lot of injuries there. So, I mean, I don't know. Does that bode well for the Texans' wide receivers? Can we read into that? I'd rather have Lamar Jackson retire <laughs> than any of that. <laughs> like, I don't care about the corners. But I'll take whatever I can get as far as Ravens injuries here to make life a little bit easier for this Houston offense because the Texans' offensive line is the thing that we have to be concerned about here. Let's say Titus can go. If Titus can go, you have Shaq, Titus, Laramie, good, okay? And we don't know how they're going to put together center and guard apart from those three, but maybe Patterson, who played a bunch against the Saints, maybe they do something else. Maybe they bring up Dieter. Maybe they bring up Dieter to play guard. I don't know how they're going to handle maybe it. Maybe Josh Jones gets slid in there. At left I would guard. think he's got a, sh a shot to do it. He's capable of it. And they have to put their best five on the field, no matter how they set it mm -hmm. up. You can't afford to get, well, Titus has to play tackle because he's a tackle. If you think Josh Jones is going to be better at tackle than guard, but Titus can handle guard. You might have to make that move right here if Titus is available. I'm just assuming that for this conversation. I was joking last week, you could do a contest, guess the Texans' <laughs> offensive line starters, and maybe get insurance on that deal 
and give away a nice prize because it's going to be tough for a lot of people to guess what the Texans offensive line is going to be come Sunday at noon. And I think there's a really good chance that you're going to have some starters that have not suited up in a Texans uniform yet through preseason at all. Right. Like Josh Jones, obviously, he was added, right. traded for here in camp. Did not. Did he play? He has not played. Nope. A snap. Titus hasn't Texans. played. Uh, Josh Jones. What What about Titus? Has well, he t- played? Did no, he play he against was, New England? No, he no? was out. Remember? Okay. He, he Titus was gone within that first week of training camp. Okay. It was early. Yeah. But I'm talking about guys that have not been with the Texans. Oh, yeah. New players, new faces. Right. I don't know. About Dieter, we we two, saw yeah. Dieter against the New Orleans Saints, which is. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the beginning of the end for Kenyon Green when you saw him coming in with the ones and then Kenyon backing him up. And then obviously Kenyon, we know he's now done for the year. I mean, if Kenyon had played well in that game and didn't aggravate something, his shoulder, because he grabbed his shoulder clearly after yeah. that spin But move. he was also playing with the twos, which was a bit worse. I mean, that was definitely a, a sign of things, perhaps. But, man, I would welcome him playing well in that game and just rising back up through the depth chart. He's got the ability to do it. Uh, but he's on IR now out for the season, and you want him to get healed up and ready as possible for 2024. And then at the center position, so <laughs> Juice Scruggs, IR. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Scott Questenberry, IR. What happens there? Do you bring up Jimmy Morrissey of the I practice think squad? Dieter, Morrissey. Patterson. You could Patterson. go. P- I think Patterson's the likeliest, but you, you could so? also say Kendrick. Well, I don't know. He played a bunch oh. against the Saints, and maybe that's just the way they go. Yeah, maybe, maybe they don't like it. Maybe they go Kendrick Green, who did it in Pittsburgh, but Green, yeah. he's only been here for a couple of weeks. So how do you handle that? This is this is a mystery. That's why I say you could run a contest here. Who's going to start on the offensive line? I can give you Laramie and Shaq for sure, <laughs> and Titus, I'm hoping. But after the other two spots, there's a lot of mystery. And if it if Titus is there then it's just just those two, just 40% of your O-line. But I think that they can work this out. You do have prep, you have practice, you can get ready for it, you get ready for the noise as best you can. C.J. Stroud, Captain Stroud, has to be ready for anything against the Ravens. Jiggle your memories. How do you feel going into week one with this offensive line and the question marks versus how you felt going into week one 2017, Mm. 2018 with those offensive lines? Keep in uh, mind, in 2017, Dwayne Brown was holding out, yeah, and you had the rest of that crew. And then in 2018, Dwayne was gone. And 2017, had- I underestimated Jacksonville. I thought, oh, it's Jacksonville. You mm-hmm. should be okay on opening day. You're starting Tom Savage. You should be all right. 2018 set the stage for me O-line-wise in 2018. Wasn't it like Julian Davenport? Yeah, because you and- didn't have Laramie yet. Laramie he was the next yet. year. Yeah. You didn't have Dwayne anymore, obviously. So, yeah, 2018 – and. I was thinking of the 2018 opener the other day for this reason. Remember the first, was it the first snap where they fumbled? Mm-hmm. Or the first, I it think it was. At New England. Was at at New, New England. England yeah. And you fumble, and you give Tom Brady the ball at mm. the 20, basically. Right. Ouch. You know, you have to avoid colossal mistakes early in the, at any time in this game. But if you can get the operation smooth, get it to Pierce. Let Stroud make some easy-ish, easy for me to say, throws, Schultz, Pierce, you know, Nico over the middle, get a little bit of that going, play some good D. Look, that's the recipe here, and you got to find a way to generate takeaways. Yeah, for CJ Stratt, we were talking about this on the player show. Who they, who did Travis and Indy think were going to be the sort of the weapons to stand up? What they say? One. Okay, so Travis is really excited about Tank Dell. Mm-hmm. You gotta be. Are. Yeah, we gotta, you gotta be. be. They were asking me, and they, and and Indy wanted to know, aside from from Tank, who else? Uh, I was excited about because uh, and, and we both sort of talked about Dalton Schultz for that reason. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the veteran guy. I think 
Stroud even talked about how he's someone that he's been able to really lean on and build some chemistry. I think they worked out in the offseason together out in L.A. Noah Brown is interesting, is interesting as an yeah, option because sure. we saw him make some catches. And yeah, you, you think of Nico and, and, and Damian Pierce. I mean, are we going to have to say, I thought, I are we going to run say, the ball a little bit more with Damian? Because I was going to say, we're, we're listing off all these pass catchers. I think you got to be excited about just run game as a whole Absolutely. because you saw what Pierce was able to do last year. And you presume that this offensive system is better on the whole and it's going to be better running the ball. Well, that bodes really well for a guy who was kind of having to make a lot of his yards by himself last mm. year. That's mm-hmm. exciting. And then you mix in Singletary. Maybe even you sprinkle in a little bit of Mike Boone, who, man, he looked good in the preseason. He could, And he's done some nice things in his career with Denver, catches the ball well, runs the ball. I, I mean, I, I think that you got to factor in the the run game as a big X factor, as a big thing that you want to look for because, hey, you're going to live and die without with this run game. You, if, if this run game isn't going, you're in trouble. And I think it's not going to be in trouble. I think it's going to be much, much better than what we've seen around here in, in a long time. You still need some balance, obviously, and I know you're not mm-hmm. saying you don't uh, because if I'm Baltimore, I'm thinking just overwhelm the line of yeah. scrimmage, right? Make Stroud beat you. He's a rookie. He's in a hostile environment. They're going to try to make Stroud beat them some way, somehow. They're going to load up against Pierce. Pierce is the, you know, Laramie is probably the best offensive player. Pierce is right there with him as far as the threat goes. Obviously, different position and different impact. But Pierce can have a lot of impact. If he's able to get some yak here, get a little crack of daylight, get him going. All right, there's your recipe. You're starting to move the ball a little bit on the ground. Pierce uh, Stroud makes a good throw or two, maybe a big play to tank or two or more, and then you're off and running. You know, you got to play clean, though. The times the Texans have lost up there, I mean, I think about the playoff game with the four turnovers. I think about earlier that season with just a sloppy game, and didn't the Ninja, we were just talking about him earlier, didn't he have, like, I think two 15-yard penalties in that 2011 regular season game up there? <laughs> against the goal line. Like, the Texans were backed up against their own goal line. Yep. Vontae Leach was given the ball. I think on consecutive plays because it was his first game against his old team and the Texans, they stonewalled him. They didn't, they didn't let Leach in, but Antonio Smith had a couple of those 15 yard personal Mm. fouls. 2013 pick six, Matt Schaub. Also, didn't they have a punt return for a touchdown or something in that game? I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Maybe I remember the pick pick six. six Uh, It was just a sloppy, not a good game. Yeah. Let's just put it not that way. Not a blowout, way. but not you were never close either. Uh, I was talking about it. In fact, we're going to have it on matchup tonight with Johnny. 05 even, I remember that disaster season. You're right in it. Kyle Bowler hits three passes in a row to get him in a field goal range, and they win the game like that. And they weren't having a good year either at the time. So it's been a house of horrors to an extent for the Houston Texans. And as you mentioned, Drew, never having one up there. But look, you rip off the Band-Aid. Then get ready for week two, no matter what happens, win or lose. I think it's kind of nice to face Baltimore in week one. I mean, Lamar Jackson has not played all preseason, missed the end of last year with injury. Then you get him. You've got a bunch of new weapons. While good, they've they've not played any of their starters in the preseason. Mark Andrews has been sort of banged up. I think he returned back to practice today or, or this week, but they don't really have that chemistry. You know they're going to be a good team. You know they're going to have a firepower offense, but maybe you get them early before they've really started clicking, and you just hope that with a heavy dose of Damian Pierce on the ground, you can control the time of possession so you don't give the ball to Lamar Jackson and you protect you protect the ball, don't turn it over as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that if you're going to play them, I'd rather play them now than, say, December 
not that you know playing them is going to be easy by any stretch of the means but the the both Travis and ND had a lot to say about this Texans defense going up against Lamar Jackson so Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about this Texans defense under D'Amico Ryans. we got more previewing the Baltimore Ravens. And then, of course, later on, we're going to go around the NFL. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back, Texans All Access. Texans up at Baltimore. D'Amico Ryans makes his debut as head coach. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, all playing their first NFL games. And, you know, we were talking with the guys earlier, Travis and Indy. They're both super excited about this D-line going against Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson. They love this attack, pin your ears back style of defense. They feel like there can be a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson and not giving him a lot of time, and they can sort of contain him so that he's not able to scramble or or make plays. And he'll have to get the ball out quick. But they really like this style of defense, and they feel like if you can get a guy like Will Anderson on Lamar, that that could be really – effective in containing him on Sunday. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I think it's part of the mix. You need a lot of guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean well, I'd he's love a to see Anderson <laughs> just devour Lamar Jackson time and time again. I think Grenard's going to have to get in the mix. I think you're going to have to send extra people. You're going to have to send Petrie into the backfield occasionally, uh, trip up that running game with Dobbins and Edwards and all that gang because these guys, I believe – They'll look at the Texans and say, let's run the ball. Let's try to run the ball. Look at them last year. I know they have different players, but every team wants to do it. It makes life easy. makes life easier on Lamar Jackson as well. We don't want to see Lamar Jackson run it that much if we don't have to because that's risky, right? He's gotten hurt a bunch. So let's try to run the ball and soften them up for the pa- the pass plays that he'll hit to Mark Andrews and OBJ and all of that other stuff. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of Lamar Jackson you get. Is there any rust at all? He hasn't played in the preseason. Obviously, he's practiced, got hurt down the stretch last year, year before as well. This is a real big moment for him. A lot of eyes on him to see how he responds. Signing the big contract, here he is in front of the home fans. I can't wait. I'm I'm keeping my eyes on Will Anderson Jr. And when I say keeping my eyes on, that's usually it's like a throwaway line. It's just like, yeah, that guy's good. No, literally – Starting around mid-December of 2011, J.J. Watt was a guy, when the Texans were on defense, you would just sort of look at what he was doing, and he was yeah. always whipping you know, his man in front of him. And I, that was the case for the next you know, seven, eight years while he was here. In the same fashion, it's been fun in the preseason mm-hmm. when Will Anderson has played to keep your eyes on what he does and to keep your eyes on him in, in practice because he's, it's like a hand grenade goes off. I mean, just yeah. all sorts of havoc is wreaked when he's out there. You, you said it perfectly, Mark. After one practice, there was a practice where Anderson kind of got a day's rest and he wasn't out there. Well, the Texans' offense looked really, really good that day, looked really, really improved that day because he wasn't in the backfield caving in the offensive line all practice long. So when I say I'm going to keep my eyes on him, I'm literally going to lock down and I'm making binocular motions with my hands right now. <laughs> it's radio, the radio, but yes, he is. But I'm literally going to watch what he does against the guy or guys who are blocking him. Yeah, I, look, uh, D'Amico Ryans, the challenge of him coaching this defense along with Matt Burke against Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. whatever they have planned, it's got to be something special, right? But maybe they just play their system. I don't know. They just have to be ready for it because he is what I call a one-man draw play when you, or maybe one-man play action is a better way to put it. Lamar Jackson the linebackers have to respect the run. So when he goes back to pass, it's, are you going to run it or not? And then, you know, before you know it, Andrews is beating you, and he has an easy layup kind of pass to Andrews. The year the Texans got blown out up there with 
Deshaun Watson, 2019, it was a 34-point loss. I mean, Jackson threw four touchdown passes. Mm -hmm. He ran it for 70-something as well. It was a nightmare to deal with. And that was a pretty good Texans team that eventually would have a lead in a divisional playoff game, but we don't have to get into that right now. Too soon to talk about that. Yeah, sorry. Too soon. (laughs) Hey, the the Ravens season didn't end all that great either that year. No, it didn't. It ended That was probably the last time they had this level of Mm -hmm. excitement, I think, because they lost in the wild card round. They were going to host. Oh, they were they were rolling. They were they were the top seed. They were the top seed. They lose to the Titans. No, they lost to the divisional round because they had the bye, and then the Titans were coming off the win over New England, went into Baltimore and won there. I mean, that was a hell of a postseason. Ravens kept going for it on fourth down in that game. I mean, they think I think they had like four failed fourth down conversions or more. Maybe they couldn't believe it. They Mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. So the Tennessee D was playing really well. But that offensive formula of Derrick Henry and Tannehill play action was working wonders. Can you get that going with Pierce? Can you find a way to hold on to the ball, finish drives? Look, I'd rather have sevens and threes every day of the week, but look, connect on a field goal or two. Just keep going. Keep the ball away from him if you possibly can. Can't wait. Yeah. They've the, so the So since then, the Ravens have... One in the wild card against the Titans in 2020, mm-hmm. and then they lost to the Bills, and then last year they lost to the Bengals. So not yeah. a lot of success since 2019. So the only playoff win they have since 2014 is that victory over the Titans in 2020. In right? 2014, they also beat the Steelers in yeah, the wild card Yeah, that was game. the last time they won a playoff game until 2020. Mm-hmm. So yes. since 2014, the Texans have won how many playoff games? Uh, one, two, or two. That's it. But the Ravens have only won once. Mm. And it's a weird thing. That's why, look, I'm never going to call them overrated. But postseason success has has failed. It just hasn't worked out for them. Uh, You know, Lamar's rookie year was what it was. They were struggling with Flacco. They put in Lamar in 2018. They make the playoffs. They lose to the Chargers at home. They're not perfect, right? And being a new mix with the new offensive coordinator and Jackson coming back. Maybe you can take advantage of the element of surprise and, and spring something on them that they're not expecting. I don't know. I, I think also Odell Beckham Jr. I'm, I'm very curious to see what he looks like. He hasn't played since he tore his knee up yep. in that uh, Super Bowl when he was with the, the Rams. Rams. Yeah. Like everyone thought he wasn't even going to come back. And now full, he yeah, the rookies, a flowers too. I mean, they're I mean, very, is, very high on that guy. They're very high. That's going to be, they'll be at those two will be a nice test. For uh, Derek Stingley and Steven Nelson, you know, how much do, does each of those corners get the other guy? Is it switched around a bunch? Yeah, that's that's a fascinating matchup as well. And and the safeties as well, just keeping yep. their eye on the Apex on Predators. That's what, that's what they call themselves. <laughs> They're both yeah. captains, too. How I about know. that? Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie. Petrie. That both is captains. cool. That is cool. It's cool that Stroud gets elected captain. Now, Will Anderson's not a captain, but someday he will be. Yeah. But do you know, like, okay, on the captain's note, since the captains came out yesterday, I was thinking about this. In the past few years, it, it's always felt like whoever the captains are, well, of course these are the captains. Those are the leaders of your team. But this year I felt like there were so many other players that actually could have been. That's a really good point. Like and- Damian Pierce, I feel like he, he could why, he could have been a captain. John Weeks could have been a captain. And think about this, too. These captains haven't been captains for a long time. Tunsil had it for half of a season last year. Only because yeah. Brandon Cooks went Jimmy, through his thing. Jimmy yeah. Ward was a captain for the last two seasons in San Francisco, and then the rookies never been a captain, obviously. Right. And, uh, and Petrie. Petrie is his first time to be a captain. Yeah. So it's it's inexperienced captaincies. Not that that matters, but 
it's just kind of new blood in in that regard. I think it's a good sign. It means that you've yeah. got your young players are are leaders on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. So I am excited that CJ Stroud is 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 a captain. I don't know if that was because he was the quarterback and he was he earned the starting job. It was elected by the players, right? The players. So this and is the coaches. Do high, the coaches get a vote too? This is high praise. Remember hey, yeah. last and, and, year? Boy, and if you read the Jonathan Alexander Houston yeah. Chronicle story about Stroud that came out today, holy moly, that's a whopper. That's oh, a heck, I haven't read it yet. Heck Sorry, of a Jonathan. job by Alexander. Heck of a job. Absolutely. Heck of a story about C. I mean, it's really, really impressive what he's been through and overcome and and how he's flourished. You can see why, okay, based on a lot of the things he, he details in that article, you can see why they elected this guy. He's he's you know wise beyond his years. Yeah, he's been through so much just with his dad overcoming adversity, then going to Ohio State, all the attention that was on him there. It seems like no stage is too big for him, which I think you, you like to see in a quarterback. You don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed at that spot. I like what Nick said about it this morning, and I'm no, I know he's going to do this tomorrow with us as well. If you're a competitor, you want this. You want Baltimore. Mm. You want that challenge of playing a high-octane, highly regarded team, a team that's a quiet, I'll use that word carefully, Super Bowl contender, mm-hmm. because why not them, right? Why not the Ravens? Out of that division, Bengals? I don't know. They might slow down a little bit. Steelers? Yeah, are they you have ready? a quarterback who's been a, a, t- a league MVP, yeah. you, you've got a shot at it all. Yeah. And a defense that's always in the top ten, if mm-hmm. not the top five. 24 years of football, the last 24 years, they've been out of the top 10 just seven times. And they've been close when they haven't been in the top 10. They have a cup, they have like one in the 20s, but that was it. It was an aberration. And they have a lot of top fours, top threes, top fives in there as well. This is a defensive franchise, no doubt. And they're going to be that again. Well, on the offensive side of the ball, both of these teams, new offensive coordinators, not really sure what we're going to see. With the preseason, both teams sort of held back the big guns, but like, what are we expecting to see both from the Texans and the Ravens? Lots of play action. I think you're going to see lots of bootlegs and stuff when the Texans do throw it. I can't wait to see, you know, like the, I'm just ready for this. Yes, yes, the old days. (laughs) Well, I want to see some plays that we haven't seen, right? Yeah. I'm, I want to oh, be surprised. Oh, you're going to see that. Yeah, yeah. you're going to see I that. I think we will. We'll mm-hmm. be surprised. They've been working on some stuff that they don't want the world to see, and they got to have some special easy short stuff with a lot of yak potential for C.J. Stroud. You know, get it to Robert Woods, and he can take off and run with it. Same thing with Nico, obviously. Get it downfield to Dell on occasion. I want to see one of those bootleg play fakes, and Dell is wide open with an mm-hmm. acre I think of they've land. They've got lots and lots of shenanigans cooked up for Tank Dell. I really mm-hmm. do. I mean, I think there's. We didn't see him against the Saints. You saw him on the punt return, and that was it. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot that Tank Dell is going to do this season that uh, that's been specially designed for him because he is he is just a different dude. You want to talk about wise beyond your years. He just has this old soul mm-hmm. air about him, yeah. right? That he's a pro. He comes in as a professional. And I stopped talking about his size weeks ago because yeah. I said, this guy's a bona fide receiver playmaker. I don't care. I, I want him to stay healthy. That's that's all I'm thinking about yep. here because I think if he's healthy, he's going to make a ton of plays in this league. Yeah, I think Travis and Andy both were talking about they can't believe that size is still an issue. When mm-hmm. it comes to receivers, when some of the best receivers in the NFL have been undersized, because that's what makes them so quick and shifty is the fact that they are smaller. But I think with Tank, you bring up a good point is just being going the Juco route, 
being undersized, having to prove himself time and time again. He's got that chip on his shoulder, like CJ, but coming from a different, uh, coming from a totally different program. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting. Before the Patriots game in the preseason this year, Mark and I we were in the production meeting the day before the game, and Case Keenum was in there. And at one point, I asked Case, "Hey, you're obviously a Cougar. Tank Dell is a Cougar, decade apart or so, but you've kept your tabs on him." What do you think about what he did there versus what you've seen him do in training camp and in OTAs? In case remember that he paused and he kind of collected his thought and he said he was making plays uh, in college and I know people talk about the AAC and the level of competition, but trust me, there's really good players in that conference and he was he was doing that uh, and and making plays. Well, he's doing the same thing against a really good mm. NFL secondary right now. Mm-hmm. And Case was kind of very diplomatically saying he was doing it against college competition, and, hey, it's one thing to do it there, but he's actually doing he's it against doing a, it a pretty darn good NFL secondary too. So, yeah, it was it was cool hearing him say it. He wasn't being a homer about it. It was very a detached, analytical uh, view of things, and just that's another selling point, another tick mark on – yeah, this guy's legit. Can they sign Case Keenum to a lifetime contract? <laughs> I want to see <laughs> that. Just forever Keep and ever. Here. I'm cool with that, yeah. What, what was that D'Amico Ryan's mic'd up at camp, how Case keeps camp fun? Yeah. Show the rookies how it's done. It, just keeps it fun. It's true. Everything's he's got, more fun. He's got this great disposition, and I think it's infectious. All right. Well, let's uh, get take a break, and then we got one more segment of Texans All Access. We're going to go around the NFL. Some news about the Texans' week two opponent, plus a familiar face is going to make his debut on NFL Network. That's all coming up. Final segment of Texans All Access. Final segment of Texans All Access coming your way. I've got Mark. I've got Drew. It's myself, DP. We're going to go around the NFL as we head into week one. And all right, guys. I Mark, I just I know Mark loves when it comes to bad news with the Colts. So shall we Listen, start there? I really feel bad about how I'm going to feel right now. <laughs> Go ahead, tell me what it is. All right. So Jonathan Taylor obviously going to miss the first four weeks of the Such season. Such a shame. Such a shame. Such I know you're so disappointed. Mm, um, there is no starting running back in Indianapolis. That's so, a shame, too. And there may not be in week two either, because Shane Steichen says they're going to go running back by committee. Yeah. They've got Zach Moss and Deion Jackson and Evan Hall, and they're just going to put all three of those guys out there. They so play they get Jackson to play with, they get to play with 13 guys if it's <laughs> the, the committee gets to run or is it the Yeah, the committee. Gets to run. All, all at once, yes. Yeah, Somebody's got a gavel. Listen, I think Zach Moss is a pretty good player. And I was thinking during the postseason that Buffalo was wishing they still had Zach Moss. Mm. I know Naheem Hines did some good things for them, especially in that return from DeMar Hamlin game. Uh, from the they probably missed wish, game. They yes. probably wish they still had him, yeah, as a matter of fact. But Zach Moss can be dangerous. He's he's a heavy runner. I just think the leading rusher is going to be Anthony Rich, Richardson more often than not, mm. in the early going especially, before they get Taylor back. And maybe they, didn't ne- maybe they never get Taylor back. But as long as they have Richardson, he can make plays by himself. Things break down. He's going to run. I think Stroud's going to run a little bit, too, on Sunday as well. I think that's going to enter the repertoire of what he, what he does. We've seen it at practice from time to time. And during the game, they're going to talk to him. Slide. Don't risk of anything. Course, yeah. But there are going to be yards to be had with his legs. And I think Stroud's going to do that. Now, with Richardson, you know he's going to do that. Just part of what he does, right? It's part of his mix. So... 
I like that they say running back by committee because it's kind of like if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have running back by committee, you do you really <laughs> you have do, one running back? But they're still look, it's still the Colts. I don't care who they put out there. The Colts are always going to be a tough team for the Texans to beat. You know this. I will talk about that next week. I know we're we're uh, clicking our fingers together like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Because it's with all fun, these. Drew. But it's man, fun the the the. <laughs> The doom and gloom in me worries that none of that's going to matter, and Richardson's just going to ball out and throw for seven touchdowns. He's not going to do you that. Know, he's just going to look like no. fantastic. By week so. two, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. so, maybe so as they, the season progresses, so I'm going to wait on that. On being uh, excited about them not having a running back. They're hosting the Jags this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to look at the line. I know the Jags are favored. What do you think? You think that the Jags win that one? Are I think you so. Definitely yeah. picking the Jags. I think, yeah, I think yeah, so. I think How so. surprised would you be if the Colts pull off an upset at home, not opening at day against the Jags team that's not perfect? Yeah, not at all. But I do think the Jags. Not, not surprised only because it's hard to prepare for a team that you've never seen. You don't mm-hmm. know how do you prepare against Anthony Richardson? I mean, you just really can't. But I think overwhelm the line of scrimmage. You can, but I mean, he doesn't have like at Rookie. least you've got CJ Stroud, and we've like talked. Yeah. Look, we just got done talking about how important Damian Pierce is going to be for mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, and yeah. Anthony yeah. Richardson doesn't have that. He can run all he wants, but it is still nice to have a running back that you can hand the ball off to now and then. You don't want him to do all the work in week one. They'll hand off. I mean, they will. Uh, and Zach Moss was of... banged up in camp, which is why I think they did not name him the starter. Mm-hmm. Deion Jackson. This is. But they're running of, a little they're, light here. But Jonathan, I mean Jonathan Taylor, like yes. that's that's a that's a bit that's a heavy hand to replace right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean he's Derrick Henry league. You know, they're different types of runners, but he's in that league with Derrick Henry of among the best in the NFL, and he's not available right now, and it's such a shame. <laughs> also, the Titans are going to be at New Orleans. Hmm. Okay. What kind of chance? What kind of snowballs chance do you give them at New Orleans? I mean, I think New Orleans wins this game, but. The Titans could shockingly be better than a lot of people expect. I know they have replacements to nurture on the O-line, but they should still have plenty of defense to play. They still have Derrick Henry and Hopkins, and maybe it all comes together for them enough to beat the Saints and more teams than you think. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what DeAndre Hopkins can do for a quarterback around here. Yes. You know, pre-Deshaun Watson, during Deshaun. I mean, he's he's going to help them out, but... Man, I still think the Saints are going to be much, much better than they were last year. I think Derek yeah. Carr adds, a, you know, just a new element to that team. I got some friends who are Saints fans, and they're pretty jacked up. They're excited about this season. Camara with Carr mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. other weapons, and Carr being a steadying force and not turning it over as much as Winston would. I like Jameis because he goes for the big play, but he gets turned over a lot, yeah. right? So Carr, for Carr's sake, I hope he doesn't do that as much. Until he comes here, of course, and we'll see how that goes. But I'll be rooting for the Saints this weekend when they entertain the Titans. Well, the Saints are ranked. So the power rankings are already out. NFL.com's got power rankings. Saints, guess where they come in? Uh, The Saints, I bet they're, uh, no, they're not that high. They're 14th. 16th. Dead in the middle. Okay. All right. So we'll see. We'll see. And then the Titans are below them. Jags are the highest in the AFC South. They're probably guess where the Jags ranked. Thirteenth, higher, nine. They're nine. Yeah, top ten. That's what I meant. They're cracking top ten. Jacksonville. Guess where the Texans are. I think the Jags are <laughs> are rated a bit too high. I don't want to say overrated. I, I think their paper is graded a bit too high. Where are the Texans? I, look, come on. If you're doing one of these things, where are you going to put the Texans? I They're, would put them higher than they are right now. Twenty eighth. They're 31st. What? Above the and and how about this? Above them, the Colts at 29th. 
Yeah, I don't get that. I don't understand this. You tied them and beat them, and you and have a better player. quarterback than they do, at least on paper. And their best player is off the field. And you have, yeah, you have more going for you than they do going into the opening weekend. That's wrong that the Colts are ranked ahead of the Texans. I think somebody tweeted that NFL power rankings are here to make everybody angry about where their team it, is. It, it's true. They got and you. They got yeah, you. They, yeah, they got me because I'm arguing about who should be 29th. Really? <laughs> really? This is what we do here. This, no. So, so meaningless. Kansas City is number one and Chris Jones isn't even playing. Well, where, where would you put them? I'm putting them number one. They got the Eagles at number two. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. I'm still complaining that the opening game is the Lions at the Chiefs. <laughs> I went on a rant about this last week on the air because yeah. I said they have games on their schedule that are way better than this. Right. They have the Dolphins at home. They have the Eagles at home. They have a Super Bowl rematch at home, and they're not putting it on Thursday night or kickoff night. They're not doing it. They've got the Chargers, of course. They have a variety of places they can go. They have the Bengals at home. They could have done that as well. Nope, we're going to do the Lions because they're everybody's favorite team. No, they're going to do the Lions because they're good enough and everyone's going to be watching anyway. We're going to save those big games for CBS and Fox later on, NBC, flexing potential, whatever else. Mark is turning his back on his favorite guy, Aaron Glenn. I'm just I shocked. love AG, but come on. <laughs> I'm sure AG would rather Very, open up against well, somebody the, else. The Lions are ranked 11th of this, of this power rankings, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I don't know what that's. I'm sure this is going to be totally shuffled around uh, next week. All right, before we go around the NFL, NFL Network added six new analysts ahead of the 2023 Ooh, season. One six? of them, Six, and one of them... None other than former Texans offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton. You're kidding. No, I knew. Pep. Good for Pep. Pep yeah. was doing a bunch of training camp stuff with them. So I'm hoping that this really turns out well for him. I think he's got the aptitude to do it. Some of the training camp stuff, that's really clunky and tough. You know, mm -hmm. you're in the hot weather. You're sitting there with a microphone. You don't know where they're going. They're trying to fill time or whatever they're doing. This is a little bit more of a controlled environment. I want to yeah. see how this turns out studio for him. Studio shows, including NFL Game Day Live. So. Does he ride his bike to the studio? <laughs> Maybe he left it here. Because, Maybe his bike is Well, still Danny Barrett's still here with the bike. He started Does anybody it all. else yes. ride the you bike? Know, I think, yeah, I think he's the only one right now. He yeah. started the bike, and he's It was Pep and Danny Barrett riding the bikes, and I think that was really smart. I, I'm surprised that hasn't caught yeah. on with the players. We had the Segways a decade ago, right? And then NRG Stadium. The Why don't we have bikes now? Could you imagine yeah. a massive player bike parking lot in the hallway? <laughs> I think if D'Amico's not riding a bike, nobody's riding a bike. If he, can, if he can walk, everyone else can walk. All right, speaking of walking, Texans All Access walked so that Texans matchup could run. Do you like this segment? I like that. All right, Ooh. coming up next, John Harris brings you... Texans matchup. The Texans haven't even played a game yet. So what could be he be possibly matching up? You'll have to tune in and find out. But that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week. And check out HoustonTexans.com for all of our latest news and podcasts.